sports staff of the Holland Sentinel. This is From the Press Box. With your hosts, Brian Vernellis, Dan Diadonna, and Chris Zatarazny. Welcome back to another episode of From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel sports staff's weekly podcast on anything and everything sports. I'm sports editor Dan Diadonna, along with... Assistant sports editor Chris Zatarazny. We go everywhere together. Including tonight. Uh, including tonight, as we cover the... <laughs> quarterfinals for high school volleyball um with hamilton playing uh we'll get to that in a little bit but um we've got all kinds of things to talk about we've got postseason this playoffs this playoffs playoffs and everything just about playoffs um we got a uh only one football team remaining now after this week we had two we'll talk about that too uh we'll touch on college football the lions ineptitude and a plethora a plethora of other topics uh, but we're going to start with Hope Football. Uh, they finish up the regular season uh, by beating Adrian on the road. And another awesome performance for Tate Knapp. Uh, getting a safety, capping his college career uh, in style uh, for for the Hope team. He was named all MIAA first team uh, this week. Local kid from Hamilton. Best beard uh, we've Great had in beard. a while. Uh, Him and Luke Wiekowski would have a good beard battle. Yeah, on. I think I'm right in the middle right now yeah. of the two of them. You are, but yeah. it's, it's just uh, which might not be the case next week. We'll see. But um, oh, all yeah. right, <laughs> you'll never know which Dan you're going to see out there, guys. All right, so I mean, kind of. I mean, they're not going to make the. They did not make the playoffs. No, they didn't. We no. knew that was going to happen. Um, but just kind of, Chris, put into perspective. You covered them all year. What? How good of a year was this? Is this about? What we're we were expecting? What put put into perspective what what this year was like? A year in review, if you will. Well, I, if I can remember correctly, we went into this year talking about how it wouldn't be a success if they didn't beat Trine and win the MIAA. They clearly got beat pretty badly last year down at Trine, uh, and that was that needed to be fixed, and it was fixed. But they didn't come out with a win against Trine this year. Unfortunately no. for them, um, they they had them beat pretty much in the fourth quarter, and then a couple of things happened and didn't go their way. Um, that's that's football. It's going to happen. But overall, I'd say in their season, uh, I consider it a success. They handled every team they played pretty much except for Trine. Um, they had two losses. It's the two back uh, back to back years with eight wins. That's successful. Definitely. Uh, Peter Sturzma became the uh, winningest coach in hope history through their first three seasons that's good i think it was 23 and 7 um, that beats out any other, any anyone else that hope's ever had which is impressive after all the 100 plus years of hope football i mean that's really really good yeah for me the trying game is just what it is, is watching that trying game is they like you said they got slaughtered last year at trying in a lot of ways trying was better this year certainly yeah and hope had them on the ropes and hope was much better this year, so to me that was kind of like the defining point of their of their season. And I think had they not lost earlier, the first game of the season, they and that was their only loss that they'd be in the playoffs this year. Yeah, uh, or at least a, have a strong. At least they would have had to sit down and watch it. The show they would have had a strong resume. Yeah, losing to Milliken twenty five twenty one at home in the opener, it's not going to boost your resume at all because Milliken is, a, is an okay team. They're not great. No, they're good. Um, but They're not trying level at all. So, yeah, that could have boosted the resume, certainly, if, if they had a better win. But, um, yeah, I think overall it's a success. And, and going down to Adrian and winning big uh, 33-14 in the uh, season finale. And beating which, Kalamazoo big. Which began, by the way, with a 
safety by Tate Knapp. Yeah. <laughs> of, of all things. Uh, by the way, he finished in uh, overall with the most sacks in the MIAA, which is what his goal was coming into this year. But he also finished uh, tied for eighth overall in Division Three. NCAA Division Three tied for eighth overall with twelve, I believe, twelve or thirteen sacks. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that's incredible. That's incredible, yeah, though. That's awesome. Um, that was never something he thought he want he was going to be close to. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he was dominant on that line. That and that line that that defensive line was so big in the in uh, why Hope was so good this year. Mm-hmm. Yes, their offense was good, led by Masonopolis quarterback, but their defense was even better. And just allowing fourteen points to a good Adrian team, like right. that's a rivalry and. 14 points was two touchdowns in the second quarter, and that was it. Three scoreless quarters the rest right. of the way. And you knew they had athletic people on the defense with Dooley coming back as a defensive back. You got Mason Decker anchoring the linebackers. You knew what they brought, but the ability for not just Knapp, um, but that whole defensive line to get to the quarterback, rush the – I mean, get him rushed throws, you know, they disrupted. And that was Absolutely. an added level – yeah. of the defense which changed a lot of things because it made quarterbacks decisions uh have that much that fewer amount of time right um, is either pass the ball or run the ball and, and running was not working very well at all for any team against hope on average they allowed 117 yards rushing per game passing wasn't much better 156.8 i mean and uh points allowed per game was 17.6 that's that's pretty good that's a great defense i mean that's yeah. that's gonna win you a lot of games it's almost that's you look at those stats and say okay so they gave up 256 or 266 yards of total offense per game 17 points per game including playing a ranked team that looks like a playoff resume it certainly does yeah and it, it really should does. it should but it's because the miaa is not as good as the other conferences around the country is why right. the hope did not make the uh the tournament Right, which is unfortunate, but give it maybe a couple of years, and maybe with try and hope up there and, and Kalamazoo doing, doing better, really well. Olivet had a pretty good year. I mean, if you if you can get some of that, if if a couple of if, if a couple teams can win bigger games, like if uh, one of them can knock off Wheaton and somebody else beat, you know what I mean? If they can beat Wabash or whatever, I don't know who schedule obviously, right? But right. like. If, if if more than one MIAA team can pull off a non-conference signature win in the same year, that changes. Yeah, that will change everything. It's those non-conference games that that's got to beef them up the, the resumes, and, mm-hmm. and certainly having a good a good uh, conference. Of course, Finlandia coming in this year doesn't really help, but then then again, it's it really wasn't that much really of a factor. Hurt them either. Yeah, um, it just they're going to grow hopefully in a couple of years, but the conference getting better is going to boost their resumes exponentially the next couple of years as long as these teams continue to get better mm. and it's only good for the conference and only good for uh the play in the conference for sure for sure all right now uh, moving to a playoff team grand valley made the playoffs no surprise i mean they're certainly not the they're top five uh they only had the one loss to number two right number two ferris state yep. number two yeah um the interesting thing about this now is uh grand valley plays Northwest Missouri State, and Grand Valley has a huge history with Northwest Missouri State. They've met in the finals. They've, I feel like, if I remember correctly, this is off the top of my head now, so bear with me, all you listeners. Um, I'm pretty, sh- I know that I'm pretty sure that they each beat each other once in the final. I know Northwest Missouri State has knocked Grand Valley out in the semis, um, and they've met in at least two finals. So to meet in the first round. 
Kind of surprising, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, I mean, Northwest Missouri State's not having that same kind of year that they did in those years, but just it's interesting to have that kind of a. Again, we talked before about how kind of Saugatuck and Pawama Westphalia have become conference rivals, even though they're not in the yeah. same conference because they've met five out of the last six years in the playoffs. This kind of has that feel for Grand Certainly. Valley to have that in the first round, and a lot of times also um, because Ferris State made it, obviously too. Um, but there's times where there's two or three or four GLIAC teams that make the postseason. And a lot of times, most seasons actually, Grand Valley is playing a GLIAC team in the first round again. And that is uh, not the case this year, which also makes it a little bit different, a little more interesting. Yeah. So, um, But you put them together healthy, Grand Valley, I think that uh, they're, they're primed for, I mean, if they play their best, they're primed at least to get to the semis. Um uh, they have all the tools, yeah. And it just it, it it should be actually a good boost if they can to beat if they can beat Northwest Missouri State, knowing that history because they all know that history. Yeah, um, that that would be a good matchup. Northwest Missouri State is one of the best teams in Division Two. They've had the most uh, playoff appearances with nineteen and most playoff championships with six. Uh, and I found the stats you're looking at. You're looking uh, for. And Chris is quick uh, with that keyboard. They played each other in 05 and 06 with Grand Valley State winning both games in the national championship. In the final. Okay. And then Grand Valley lost in 2009 to Northwest Missouri State. In the uh, semis. In the national championship. In the finals. Okay. So they beat one twice in the finals and lost once in the finals. Correct. Yeah. I couldn't tell you uh, going back any further. Okay. Semis, I don't have that stat there's, with me. There's one semis that they played two even more recently, maybe 13. And then since. Something uh, like that. Since 1998. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times in the finals for Northwest Missouri State. Wow. Since 1998. Wow. And Grand Valley's been in the finals. Ten times in 20 years. Something like that. Yeah. 19 years, if you want to call it that. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, and they won. That's two powerhouses. They won both in 15 and 16 and 13 and 9. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Go back, go further. And they had to knock Grand Valley out in two of those to get there. And it's, this, I don't, necessarily see whoever wins this necessarily winning this year especially with it being a first round matchup but that adds a level of excitement oh absolutely yeah to a game like this um, a lot of times the first round game is just eh, you know it's either a gliac rematch or you're playing a team that's you know from out west that's clearly inferior or something that's happened in the past but this will be a good this will be a good test for them and it will be uh you know a win like this will give them it'll be much more of a momentum booster oh certainly too. yeah and with with this uh, with this win, Grand Valley knows what's coming next. Surprisingly, if they win, they'll face likely Ferris State in the second round, and you know they want that one after right. that loss on a trick a play at ago. the very yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. where the, it was a great back and forth battle, um, but Ferris State got the best in that rivalry. But this is where it's going to count right here, providing both teams win, which they on paper probably should. Right, um, but anything happened football, you never know. And well, and Ferris State was supposed to get the overall buy. Yeah, but they did not because they, did not. they had an ineligible player on one of their games and yes. they had to report that. And instead of the NCAA forfeiting the game that he played in because of there was an investigation and apparently Certainly. it was a, um, an, on, on, I guess an honest mistake or something that came to light later or something like that, they docked him the seed. Yeah. But not of, they didn't. Uh, forfeit the game earlier and based on what we had heard what i had read about it was it was not the players fault. it was administration where they didn't realize where he was ineligible and he kept playing it was some paperwork went went kind of rogue apparently and it's nice to see a hand a situation assuming this is all 
that is all accurate. It's nice to see a situation actually resolve itself with a f- punishment that fits the crime, I would say. Yeah. Um, if it was a mistaken and not an intentional... It Whatever. wasn't a recruiting thing. It was more of right. a, he, and, he transferred. He right. was and the wind was that, down. I'm pretty sure the wind that they were in question, they crushed somebody. It's not like he. It was like in the first four games of the season. Yeah, it was not like they would have won or lost without right. with or without him. It would have been the same. Yeah. So yeah. So it's that's really nice to see yeah. um, differently from the NCAA after all the mess they've For messes sure. they've gone through. For sure. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens. Uh, the 24th of November, providing both Ferris State and Grand Valley win this week. For sure. For sure. And keeping with the college, we're going to go real quick through Michigan, Michigan State, because we knew what was going to happen. Michigan crushes Rutgers. The end. Not surprising. Not surprising. They got Ohio, or they got Indiana this week. Yep. Then Ohio State. That should be, it should be another big victory. Maybe not in the same crushing. I mean, Indiana's 5-5. Five five. They're decent, but yeah. Michigan should dominate for the most um, part. So, I mean, there's not much. They looked good. Rutgers is not good. Yeah. There's really not much to analyze there. Yeah. And Michigan State, same thing. I mean, they're, they they lost to Ohio State. Their offense couldn't get going. Story of their whole season. Yeah. And Ohio State's a little better. They Yeah, on paper, I mean, they were better. It's just I, I thought Michigan State kind of had them where they wanted, although the offense wasn't looking great. I watched the entirety of the game, actually, as much as, much as I could um, for once. Um Ohio State kind of looked kind of blah until the fourth quarter when Michigan State decided to have a intentional safety in their own end zone, right? And it backfired completely because the ensuing kickoff went to the fifty, right? And Ohio State came back down and scored, right? And that was pretty much the game right there. Michigan State kind of lost it. Brian Lewerke wasn't on his game, and Rocky Lombardi, I remember for the third time now, finally, he's finally there. uh, Looked decent, but their offense was kind of off, and I don't know what to make of this michigan state team now it, it was like they they looked good under lombardi two weeks ago and now they're kind of on and off and uh the defense looked decent but it was special teams that kind of won it for michigan for ohio state right that was it that was the entire game and and that shows me that ohio state isn't as good as i think they are is beatable they're beatable they're certainly beatable and that michigan if michigan state's offense played a little better they might have beat them they, they probably could have and should have beat them if their offense was more consistent and going into uh, not this week, but Thanksgiving weekend, uh, Michigan's probably going to have have the big favorite in that game. Crazy, crazy, interesting. Wouldn't have thought that three or four weeks ago, certainly for sure. But now here we are. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of teams that can't get the offense going, the Lions played on Sunday against oh. the Bears. Uh, the Bears are in first place, and the Bears beat the Lions. It was their first win against a divisional opponent in a year and a half. Tells you how bad the Lions are, or how good the Bears are. I don't know. I'm not sure which one. Probably how bad the Lions are, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, but the Bears are in first place. Yeah, yeah, they're a good team. They're this just year. finally they're getting into divisional play. Yeah, and they've lost one of their divisional play games. But the Bears lost both games to the Lions, Vikings, and Packers last year. Yeah, they were most a good team of them last the year, year before. Um, so interesting to see. And now the Bears play the Vikings and Kirk Cousins on Sunday night. Yep. Um, yeah. Man. And that so the Bears' reward for beating the, the Lions is to have this late Sunday night game now on national TV, which is they earned. But then they have to go from the late game to playing against the Lions on Thanksgiving yeah. early the following That's week. That's a rough turnaround. turnaround. Now, when they handled the Lions as easily as they did, doesn't seem so rough. Right. But this is Thanksgiving game in Detroit is much different. Yeah. Situation. So. The, uh, Stafford got sacked six times again, so that makes 16 times in two games. 
They couldn't get anything going. I don't understand what's going on. Um, Three turnovers. Yeah, they just didn't play well, and the Bears played great. 305 yards of offense, total offense for the Lions, 402 for the Bears. Uh, this this Lions team is going downhill fast. They were at the they were at the top of a mountain after beating the Patriots. Not to say that was uh, and the their Packers win too. That was, those are great wins, and it seemed optimistic. And then all of a sudden, they've gone tumbling down a mountain. Where and it's, it's not just, just they're uh, losing. It's they're, they're losing in decisive lose. fashion. Teams lose. It happens. Very few teams have ever gone undefeated in the NFL. Teams are going to lose. NFL players are good. Even on, even the bad teams have good players. Very few teams have lost all their games, too. Yeah. About the same amount, right? Two undefeated. There's been two undefeated teams and two defeated teams, um, which is kind of interesting, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that means everything else, every other season is kind of somewhere in the middle. So they're, But they're looking awful. It's bad. Against divisional opponents. So that doubles it, the, the blow. They've looked awful. With the Vikings and the Bears the last two weeks, and I mean, it's be one thing if you you play really well, you lose by with a late score, you know what I mean, from the other team or something like that. But they've been getting dominated and looking awful in most aspects of the game. I, I just I I can't even sit there and watch a whole game. I just feel sorry for Stafford. He's on his butt every other play. Yeah, um, people, I don't understand why people want him gone either. I mean, it's, it's not, not his fault. His fault. He's. 16 sacks in two games is not the quarterback's fault. That's your yeah. offensive line, man. Yeah, they're awful. I don't understand. It's bad. We talked about it last week, but but here's where I think the problem lies with the Lions. There is a tremendously bad leadership problem on the Lions, whether it's with the GM, the coach, or players in the locker room. I'm going to read you a tweet from Kyle Meinke of MLive that I read uh, a day ago, which shocked me. And he says, quote, After Sean Robinson and Theo Riddick stopped teammates from speaking to reporters, just want to take a moment to recognize Nevin Lawson for being a real pro. He always answers every question, no matter how well he played or not. I have a lot of respect for him. End quote. That's from Kyle Mikey of MLive. If you follow him on Twitter, he's a pretty good reporter for, for the Lions. Good beat reporter. You have two guys in the locker room stopping players from talking to the media. It is in their contract to talk to the media after losses. All NFL contracts. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Anyone. We all remember all the Marshawn Lynch. Oh, yeah. I'm just here that, so I don't get fined. Exactly. I'm just here so I don't that get fined. That was quite comical. I'll give him credit for that. That was pretty Hilarious. funny. Yeah. But here we have players that are stopping their teammates from talking to reporters after losses in the first year under a brand new head coach. Right. That seems really weird to me it didn't seem like it came from the coach either no it, it, i'm not blaming the coach for yeah. actually doing this i mean the players understand that that they have to answer questions but they're not answering the questions because they i don't i don't have an answer why are they not i don't right. know but we haven't heard or seen from bob quinn since the draft in april and matt patricia has kind of been out there and he hasn't answered things correctly or it seems or been up front with a lot of information the past few weeks since they've been losing. So I don't know if that stems from Quinn or Patricia where they just feel like they can kind of do what they want. But there's there's a real problem with the Lions, and it's it's they've got to find out what's wrong because well, if, we, if your players are going rogue... Right. Well, and we talked about know, this in regards to the fans before is when they traded Golden Tate yeah. and then got snacks in the same week. It's a mixed message, and we talked about that in regards to the fans. It's got to be a mixed message if you're a player, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they don't know, and Riddick has been there for quite a while now, and Stafford obviously has been, too. They don't don't know what to do. If I was Stafford, I'd be really frustrated. Oh, absolutely. Because he is really, really good. I mean, 
as much of a hard time as fans and media give him at times, and he deserves it sometimes because everybody, no one's perfect, and he does. Right. In the last decade, he's been one of the handful of really good quarterbacks in the NFL. He's been one of the best quarterbacks the Lions probably ever had. I'm going to throw that out there. I mean, I think I think maybe Bobby Lane will give him since certainly. he won championships. Certainly. But I would say he's an <laughs> easy number two. Yeah, easy number mm-hmm. two. So people that are trashing him, I don't, I don't understand. So I mean, I can understand the frustration of players when Golden Tate is traded, right? And they think they're playing well, and all of a sudden, wow, we're not doing well, and right. things are going downhill fast. But something is wrong leadership wise in that organization. And they've got to figure it out. I almost, I mean, I'm not, and this is just me conjecturing, so don't bring lawsuits my way for what I'm about <laughs> to say. Just based on, usually, I mean, Patricia usually answers the question. Now, sometimes he skirts some things like we were saying or whatever, but based on the fact that we haven't heard anything from and there was not a well enough response to why things are happening, I think it's in the front office. It very well could be, yeah. I mean, I don't, from... The GM to the owner or whatever, I, the ownership group. I just I don't understand. I I don't understand. And if I if I don't understand, the players and the fans don't understand. Well, I mean, maybe the players do if you told them, but it seems like they don't understand. The fans definitely don't understand. Right. If you're gonna go that route, just tell just tell us. Yep. Just tell us why. Say, hey, we're trading Golden Tate because this is our best chance to get the most from him. They never even really said that. They just. Yeah, they thanked him for his time and right. sent him on his way. But say, hey, this is our, you know, tell us what you're trying to do. Because to pull one of the best receivers in the NFL, I would say. Certainly, yeah. Out in the middle of a year where you're not out of it. I mean, they weren't in first place, but they were. They were one game back. They were better. nowhere near yeah. out of it. Right. They were still in the thick of things. That is just poor timing. Yeah. It would seem much more likely to trade him in two more weeks. Yeah than two weeks ago um, and still get the most out of him. Right. You know, I don't really understand. Or maybe you won't. Maybe you'll just say, all right, we're going to have to eat some of his contract money on this one, but hey, we're in first place. Who knows? Yeah. But it seemed yeah. to be a tipping point for how they've played. It's looking like they, it right I mean, now, yeah. since then, right, they they lost both or did they win? They've lost both games since, right. since then, yeah. And awfully. Awfully. Yeah, pretty bad. So I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I even watched I watched some of the Bears game a good chunk of it. I don't know why I was watching. It was that bad. I I tried to avoid it. I uh, I mean yeah. you got this rookie quarter or first year of really starting all year yeah. quarterback for the yeah. Bears. He impressed me. He impressed me. You know who didn't impress me? All right, and I'm gonna say here. I'm Let's hear it. Let's my, hear it. I I'm like getting it. on my thing here. I don't remember who exactly this was, and this bothers me. So I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent of reasons that. Football bothers me, and that players in pro situations bother me. Okay, so the Lions went for it on a fourth down and 12 at about midfield late in the game. A Bears guy intercepts the ball on a five-yard line, gets tackled on the four. All right? Sure. It's fourth down. If he batted the ball down, your team has the ball at midfield. He intercepted it on fourth down, and they're on their own four-yard line. If that was a close game, that could have been huge. I learned in freshman football, on know you're down, and on fourth down, knock it down unless you really can go with it. There's no way he could have gone with it. Even if he went 20 yards, he'd be 30 yards short of where they were and have to go through the whole Lions team to get it. Was that was that a Bears player or a Lions Bears player? Bears player. Okay, so Prince Amukamura was the guy I'm thinking you're talking about. 
Yeah. Uh, fourth and 15, was it? Yes. Somewhere on there? Uh, yeah. He, he yeah. Why? His own three yard line. Yeah. Why? That makes no sense. Knock at it all. down. Knock it down. Oh, great. You got an interception. Oh, you cost your team 50 yards. Yeah. They were up 34 to 4, 10 yeah, at that I point. Mean, like, yeah, I mean, it was... It'll help his own personal stats. Like, exactly, what, but the uh, that, like? that's the problem with things, and that happens in baseball, too, t- sometimes, where you think, you know, the problem is you're trying to reach a certain metric for your contract, you know, or whatever yeah. like that. I don't think that's necessarily the case with this, but you got to know. That's always oh, been yeah, something that bothers easily, me, because easily. that happens a lot in the pros, and sometimes in major college, that it's fourth down. If you're diving, yeah. if you, especially if you're diving, and you know you're not going anywhere in college... Yeah, you're going to make an incredible catch, but if if you're going to cost your team more than ten yards, hit that ball down. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, no point in intercepting it. That I don't no understand. Sense. It's a fundamental thing, and I don't understand how this continues to happen when you learn it in high school. I mean, even a high school senior making that mistake is one thing, but if you play football enough, you need to know what's going on. Yeah. Oh yeah. And easily. That, so that Maybe. was. I looked at. I actually tweeted something out of that. This is the only thing I tweeted in the Lions game because there's nothing moment. worth it. A rare moment. And I was just like, this. I, I don't understand why people keep doing this and don't understand. And it's. I, I just. I just don't get it. It bothers me so much. And there's things like that in every sport that bothers me. But that is one of the ones that really tips me off because it just shows you're not in it. It's this. It's the equivalent of a outfielder throwing the ball in the stands to a kid when there's only two outs. And not yeah. three. You yeah. got to know what's happening. You got to know the situation. You're getting paid huge bucks to do this for a living. Especially you Mookamura. should know what down it is. Especially Mukamura. He's uh, one of the highly paid defensive guys. And even if even if he did know what the down was, you got to know the situation. Oh, absolutely. Are you yeah. going to return that fifty yards when there's three lines players around you when you catch it? And they weren't around him enough. To catch it from him, he could have batted that. I watched that replay a bunch of times to make yeah. sure before I tweeted that out that he that it wouldn't have gone into somebody else's hands. Yeah. No, he could have batted that down easily. It led to a Chicago Bears punt, by the way. Right, they uh, punted from their own one, and then the Lions <laughs> no. scored right and made it scored, somewhat of a game twice after that. Yeah, yeah and, and it was actually within reach at the end. They had an onside kick and stuff. He, that could have, if the Lions were a little bit better, that could have cost the Bears the game. Yep. Yeah, the onside kick wasn't uh, wasn't uh, successful. Right after the second line right. touch, or at by least the way. could have started the chain events. Yeah, that lost them the game. The first onside kick worked. The second one, right? Exactly. Not. If that uh, that third on, that second onside kick works, like the Lions are, or they wouldn't have had the second onside kick because the Lions. Well, I mean, he batted that. No, if he had batted down, then the Bears still had the ball there. Yeah. But the Bears would have had the ball at the fifty. And then if even if they punted, the Lions would have had to go the whole length of the field. All they had to do was go maybe 15, 20 yards, get a field goal. Boom. And that was it. They could have put it away. Yeah. Of course, all no four, of their, four of their kicks hit the right upright in the, about the same time. Did you see this montage? I haven't the Bears seen kicker, I watch any of it. The Bears no. kicker, he, he hit the right upright, two of the extra points and two field goals, almost in the exact spot. And they showed the montage of it, and it echoed every time. Dong, <laughs> dong, <laughs> dong, dong. It was like a church bell. And they kept saying that every time they kept showing them in succession, they had to remind the reviewers at the beginning and at the end that this is not the same kick. It was four different wow. kicks, and it all hit the upright squarely. He should have played the lottery that night. I know, right? That's Dang. a pretty rare moment. Yeah, I tried. I avoided the entire Lions game. I, I figured it was going to be a loss. It was a good move. Um, I went to Frankenmuth and had lots of good chicken instead. And it was a 
fantastic move. It was it's a real winner on Sunday. Uh, so yeah, I recommend I'm going to Frankenmuth instead of going to watch the Lions game. <laughs> you might have dreams about that chicken. I, I might. <laughs> I've got I've got leftovers, so that will be uh, that will be eaten later. There you go. Um, yeah, Lions going downhill fast. And, That's a bummer. Uh, the only game I'm interested in this year now at this point is the Vikings game before Christmas that we get to watch and enjoy with our cousins. cousins there. That's so, about it. All right, so moving on now. We're just going to touch on this really quickly. We're going to go through what we still have going this week before we get into the high school football stuff. Hamilton Volleyball plays in state quarterfinals tonight, so at the time of this podcast's posting, it'll probably be over, Um, and we'll see. We'll touch back, and we'll recap that next week, um, whether they advance and everything. We'll we'll recap the whole run for Hamilton Volleyball. Um, Hope Soccer, they... uh, they won their first and second round NCAA tournament game, even after losing the MIAA final. Yeah. They got an at-large bid, and now they're in the Sweet 16. Chris, how did they do it? They did it the same way they've pretty much won every other game this year, um, is score one goal or two goals and just kind of cruise to a win because their defense is so strong. They won one nothing over Bridgewater and then 2-1 to one over Otterbein. Um, they lost one nothing to Adrian, which is a rare thing because they hadn't lost all year on their home field. Right, um, and Adrian's out of the tournament. By the way, they, they had lost in the second round, uh, but now well, they good for Adrian for winning the first round. Absolutely, yeah, it's it's a it's a great thing um, for the, the league, certainly. Yeah, uh, but now Hope heads to uh, Christopher Newport, a basketball uh, powerhouse, as we know from women's basketball. Um, they'll travel down there on Friday and play a pretty tough team. It's all ranked teams left at this point in the in the sectional round, uh, round of sixteen. They have to play the way they've done all season long. They've won a lot of games uh, by one nothing scores, 2 nothing scores, because they've been good enough on offense to kind of just squeak one by and great on defense to allow very few shots. Um, yeah, it was the first round of the NCAA game. Jordan Jordana Ellingbow had no saves. Yeah. She didn't have to make a so. save in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they're, Crazy. That, they're that good on defense. Zero saves in 90 minutes of play. Crazy. It's, that's, in an NCAA tournament game. They had, by the way, Bridgewater, they had one shot overall. And it missed. And that was in the first half, and it and missed it the missed. net. They had no shots in the second half in the NCAA tournament opener. Ridiculous. That's incredible. So their defense is really strong. If they can keep up their defense, defense is when you championships, as we've all been told that uh, before. But they've got to play a lot stronger than they have been now, um, just because this is the section around everyone's good. Um, Christopher Newport's ranked 17th, Hope's 18th. The winner would face a team potentially ranked second or seventh. So it gets harder as it goes, as it should go, as it should in the NCAA tournament. Um, but yeah, should be uh, should be interesting to see what happens um, for sure. Their defense is strong, so if that if that holds, uh, I would expect to see them on on Saturday night. All right, and all those hope, all you diehard hope fans know how well hope does at Christopher Newport. That is the site of where the women won the volleyball national championship in 2014. So maybe there's a little bit of that luck. For the Flying Dutch, still moving there. Uh, speaking of the volleyball team, they ended up losing in the first round of the NCAA tournament in five sets after being up two, right? Yeah, yeah that was weird. It was they were two points away or something like that from winning uh, in the fourth set, and that was and then they went downhill and uh, it was a good back and forth fifth set. But once it was like eight seven, that was it. Like they kind of collapsed a little bit, and it's a bummer. The front row uh, for DePaul was strong. Um, they kind of figured out Hope's defense a little bit late in the fourth set and the fifth set, obviously. Not the way I, I would have thought Hope's season was going to end. I thought they would have definitely been playing on Friday. Against um, Wittenberg. That's against where I, a, a that's tough, honestly where I thought it was going to end. 
yeah, um, not that DePaul wasn't bad. They had a worse record, but they played some pretty strong opponents this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of discount the records, obviously, in the first round sure. of the NCAA tournament. But yeah, it was it was a tough way to see the season end. Um, they obviously were upset, visibly upset, in the post game press conference about that, and that's understandable. Um, but Becky Schmidt, she made no qualms about it. They, there was they just were a little bit better late and. Right. Uh, Hope will learn from it. They'll move on. Right. And um, Hope didn't make the tournament last year. It was the first no. time in like 12 years they hadn't. So getting back there and playing in a five-setter was a good uh, good step for them. Yeah. I would guess they would have lost to Wittenberg, but we never know. Um, Wittenberg was really good. Wittenberg pushed Calvin, number one Calvin, to five in the yeah. final, the sectional final. Calvin 15 was a fourth set for Wittenberg over Calvin, by the way. That's right, and it took him, to, took him to the fifth set, and Calvin survived 16-14 in the fifth to advance to the championship so they're in the national quarterfinals this weekend calvin is coached by holland christian graduate amber warners um we got some more other hope stuff happening this weekend i hope women's cross country team is headed to the championships in oshkosh wisconsin uh they got an at-large bid to the ncaa tournament after finishing fourth at the regional they were seeded first they had won the last two regionals and two teams that were ranked like seven and eight in the region went one two at the regional which is hmm. astonishing and took everybody by surprise and you can read more about that in the sentinel this week we'll di- uh, dissect that a little bit more um but they so they had to sweat it out but they got picked and um hope led by emily hamilton and chelsea miss kelly uh, are headed to um headed to the national championships we'll see how they do they've been in the top 10 a couple times recently um a motivated team after barely getting in that could be they could be a really dangerous team because they have a ton of talent and a ton of depth um and this could be you know a year if they put it all together now since they clearly didn't quite at the regional that put that makes them a dangerous team um and they're not the only cross country from the area still going we got hamilton native mark fryhoff runs for nebraska and he qualified for the division one national championships as an individual finishing 10th in their region he also had to sweat it out until they had their selection show with individually (laughs) he had to wait and see which teams made it to see where the individual gaps were filled in and he made it um yeah you can read more about that at the sentinel too but he actually uh I, i talked with him today he actually led a good chunk of that race led really wow all yeah right. um was not his plan to lead but you can read all about that later i don't want to give too much of it away but he is going to be competing at the national championships saturday also in wisconsin at madison i don't know why the ncaa keeps picking snowy things in november for these cross-country runners it just seems like a weird thing um i asked mark if he really liked the run in the cold and he said you know high 30s without a snow or a severe wind is a pretty good to run but you can't bank on that in wisconsin in right. november it just seems like a weird I mean, I'm not you'd saying they should run in Florida. Wisconsin. You don't want that either. But, yeah. you know, you'd think they'd be running somewhere in the Tennessee range, you know, or something. You yeah. know, it just seems odd. But good luck to Mark yeah. uh, and to Hope. It should be should be uh, interesting to see what happens. All and right. just to jump on real quick, uh, Ooh, cross country, um, Corey Gorgas of Saugatuck High School, who uh, was the individual champion in the state finals in Division Four two weeks ago now, he was third at the uh, Nike Midwest Regional um, just this past weekend. 15-20.8, which means he qualifies for the national New Balance Nationals, New Balance right? Nationals in Portland, Oregon, which That's cool. is incredible because he's had cool. uh, the University of Oregon, that, that infamous area where Nike infamous. bases them. Famous. They, infamous. Well, we call it famous, yeah. yeah. 
it's a it's a pretty uh it's pretty, pretty cool big scene. place for cross country um that's where a lot of big things happen um, right so where the track finals always are watch them they're incredible yeah um if you're not a cross country fan you'll be amazed uh, but he's headed to nationals so kudos that's to cool. him we'll talk with him about that that's cool uh, he's made that before for track i think but not cross country yeah but not cross country so that's really cool yeah, so we'll talk with him about that that experience going leading up to it and also after it as well right and we should say right grand valley's made the division two they did cross yes, country of course they nationals, won so uh after their regional performance too. yeah they won so, the regional pretty easily all right and then uh the one more non-football high school event we got left is swimming for the fall the state swimming oh, yes. finals are this weekend um zealand and west ottawa will be headed to eastern michigan for Division One, Division Two, Holland will be at Oakland, and Division Three, Hamilton, Holland Christian, I think, will be here at the Aquatic Center. Um, it's an interesting year. There's no team title favorite, which shows how spoiled we are here for swimming. Um, it's a rare moment. Rare they, they, all the teams have a chance to finish in the top ten again, which is impressive. Uh, we don't really have too many people that are title contenders. Maybe Ray of Blood, the diver from Hamilton. Um, got a lot of kids that could be all state though across the board um led by aisha afrik uh from west ottawa as a sprinter and casey westenbrook backstroker from west ottawa you got claire musin a sprinter from zealand and you got a lot of zealand relays um audrey eating breaststroker and chelsea inglesman i am or you never know what they're going to end up pulling out holland's got a good chance to score really high and maybe contend for the medley relay you can read more about that in the sentinel this week don't want to give that all away either um and then uh like i said hamilton's ray of blood as a diver is gonna could be up there she won the regional um and um nella pashek and ava johnson and jenna klusterman for hamilton have a good shot at some things um emily bolt diver from holland christian you know will be good um sarah de young from holland christian you got a lot of a lot of kids that can make all state across the board uh just don't have that one phenom or title contender on paper now it doesn't mean nobody's going to win one you know we got plenty of chances where the right thing especially when you're talking about um i think ava johnson in the 50 for hamilton and then aisha afrik for west ottawa and claire musen for zealand and abby mendels and sage gettings for holland they all swim the 50 the 50 is all within tenths of each other it's you never know what's going to happen yeah. you never know what's going to happen we had one year where we didn't think we were going to have any state title winners and lisa butler from holland who ended up swimming at purdue and made national NCAAs at Purdue, um, won the state championship in the 50, beating out Olympian Alish and Schmidt. So That's impressive. Yeah, so <laughs> you never know what's going to happen in the 50. So we have you know, at least five or six kids swim in the 50, um, and they're all have a, they're all have a good shot to at least finish in the top 16, most of them in the top eight. From there, you never know. You make the top eight, and you know you super grow your fingernails or something get that extra tenth of a second (laughs) you never know um so it should be an exciting thing i would say that those will probably be the most exciting events of the weekend but uh good luck to all the state swimmers out there there um it's uh more depth than we've had the the absence of like one go-to phenom swimmer has led to the fact that more teams have more kids in the state making the state meet and um just a bigger group looking to do things in the future. So it should be set up for an exciting weekend in swimming. Okay. Now we got some high school football to talk about. Um, we last week we had two teams. Now we have one Holland Christian lost to Edward at Edwardsburg in a game that was much closer than we anticipated. Oh yeah. Um, they did a, they had played it, had a good game plan. They executed it, came up a little short against Edwardsburg. 
Um, but hats off to Alan Christian. I, at the beginning of the year, if you told me they were going to get this far, I wouldn't have believed it. Maybe they wouldn't have believed it. I'm not really sure. Uh, maybe they would have hoped for it but not believed it. I think midway through the year, they started to believe that. And um, they played well uh, against the Zealand schools. That helped. Um, what a conference the OK Green is, though, yeah. man. They were playing. Unity teams was playing right both Zealand teams. And we could have had three if Zealand's didn't play each other. Right. Um, it's really incredible when you think about it. And to me, we were talking about this the other day. Unity Christian is in the state semis. They are, yeah. And yeah. both Zealand schools beat them. They were the only two losses. But Holland played them pretty close. Holland Christian played them really close. Hamilton played them really close. Yeah. It was interesting. It's interesting that a team like that is in the state finals. But, you know, you keep winning all those close games. You keep winning. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Exactly. So, um, yeah, great season for Holland Christian, though. That was uh, really exciting to see. Their passing game was great. Their offense was great. Their defense got so much better as the year went on. Um, and they ended up having a great season. Got to uh, bring home a trophy for the district championship. First time since 2009. It's a good step for them because yeah. they've they've had some they've had a short history as far as football is concerned, but they've had some great moments. They already have a state championship. Um, they have a quarterback in the NFL, you know, they've right. and a receiver in the NFL. Um, but to to be able to start this now with a new coach and hopefully get that moving, they got to build on it now. They're losing a pretty good senior class. Wire Bob, Brady Howe, Will Van Weer, and all those guys. They're really good, really good players. They got to find a way to build on this, but. The score that came out on Saturday was fifty six twenty one. That does not replicate how close that game was. No, those a couple, a lot half. of couple touch uh, touchdowns at the end there for Edwards. There was, I think, two touchdowns late within the last five minutes of the game that really put the game away. So that's fourteen points. Take that away. It's it's a one score game at that point. And that's right. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was within one score for, for a, quite a while. It was for a team that was that's ranked first in Division Four. That is the favorite to win the title. To have a team that was unranked and probably the underdog coming in to score twenty one points and be really close, that's 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 shocking. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. Um, great again, great year for Holland Christian. That's you know surprising and, and pretty darn cool um, to get for that sure. far and, and make it in here for sure. Um, yeah, but now uh, we have one one team left, and that's yep. it. Zealand East. They're playing Muskegon. Um, on paper, Muskegon's favored to win because they are always favored to win on paper, seemingly. They won the state championship last year. They got big D1 offensive line kids plowing the way for all those speedy kids they got running around there. Um, it's going to be an uphill battle. Uh, it's at Grand Haven at Saturday at 1 o'clock if you want to go out and check it out. Uh, Zealand East, uh, if any of our teams in the past few years, not just this year, has a chance, it's this team that's got Boone Bonima, whether he's got working wrists and thumbs or not. Um, it's... You got Berghorst, you got Gabe Taylor at quarterback rushing for whatever two thousand all-purpose yards. Fusco thirteen hundred yards rushing or fifteen hundred yards rushing despite missing a game. Um, these are four legitimate all-state kids. Yeah, they're really good. They I mean, they're dominant. They, show they last can make week. the plays. Now, now you throw Fusco back. You got Alex Stockdale, who played great in his absence as another weapon. Colin Aronson has been some, uh, made some big plays as a receiver. Thomas Stockdale too. Yeah, both Stockdales. Uh, the defense has been great. Uh, you got Tag Bonima. You got Bellis. You got all kinds of things. You got Sage Cry on the line. You got a lot of great players on this team, and there's no pressure on them. No, everyone this, expects this Mus- any, everyone expects Muskegon to win. 
the pressure's on them. They've had some closer games in the playoffs than you'd expect. Oh, yeah. Not last week, but the first couple weeks. Well, uh, it was close kind of halftime, but then they must they took away it, as they should in the second right. half. Against Cedar um, Springs. But yep. 34-18, that's a, that's a closer game than it probably should have been. Right. Uh, they so, played East County Rapids close in the pre-district, 42-35. Mona Shores, 55-35. Yes, Chicks actually beat them in the, in the first week of the season. Outside of that, most games have been pretty dominant. Uh, yeah. Uh, Detroit MLK, 24-21 win. Uh, De La Salle, 36-21 win to open up the season. Uh, other than that, everyone else has been blowout for Muskegon. So. Yeah, it's very – it's a, it's a kind of – but it's a kind of bonus to go into a game where you are the underdog and no one expects you to win. There's nothing to lose. There's no shame in losing to the best team in the state. But it can make them dangerous too because when that pressure's off and your mentality's different, things can happen. So yeah. um, I am going to pick Muskegon in this game because um, I've watched Muskegon for years. They've never really given me a reason not to pick them. Um, and that is not a knock on Zeeland East. I think Zeeland East is a fantastic team. I think Muskegon's just a little bit better. Um, what do you think? Not so fast, my friend. Oh, yeah. I am taking the underdog here, and, and here's why. Because he needs the picks. I do need the picks. That is not <laughs> the reason why, though. I'm still two down, and it probably won't matter. I, I'm still going to lose to you, um, barring the result of this game or even even next week if we make it. Um, but Zeeland East uh, showed me that they have a lot of speed with or without Josh Fusco. Uh Muskegon is very strong. They are very physical up front. But I don't know how they are with speed. And to me, seeing that they were close with East Grand Rapids in the first game of the playoffs shows me that they have trouble with speed because East Grand Rapids was very similar offense to Zeeland East. And Zeeland East is not way better, but they are better than East right. Grand Rapids. And it's true. They have, I mean, Muskegon's loaded with speed, but most of it's on their offense. Yes. It's different than stopping speed. Yes. And, and Zeeland East is getting a couple of weeks where they've had well two out of three weeks they've had big wins um to rest their players west was a bit of a different game where they played the entire game but right two out of the past three weeks they've had to rest their defense and they put in their second string guys which is huge now they go into a really big game with pretty much a full game rest for their first team offense and defense and i think i think the chicks pull out the upset i think that the offense is going to be too speedy and the defense is going to going to Get the right amount of stops to uh, upset the best team in the state. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, I, w- for one, would be happy to be proven wrong in that regard. Um, of course, that would make me go cover the state final, which I would be excited about, although it would change my weekend plans a little bit, I won't lie, but over Thanksgiving. <laughs> but that's all right. That's what happens. You always got to have that flexible when you're in our business. Um, well, good luck to the chicks. Yep. And, uh, yeah, go out and watch. It's going to be a great football game no matter what happens. Uh, if you have nothing to do, go out and watch 1 o'clock. It's not the Michigan-Ohio State game or anything like that. It's only in Grand Haven. Close. Uh, 1 o'clock on Saturday. Um, yeah, and we'll be back next week to fully dissect it. and we should uh, read and check out all the photos from the game. We'll have uh, full coverage. And we'll have previews of every single thing we talked about today, uh, this week in the Sentinel, um, including all the Hamilton volleyball stuff to keep up with that. So, yeah. Uh, Enjoy a week of sports, and uh, we will be back next week.